All right, let's rock and roll with some dad stuff real quick. This is my one of my Father's Day presents today. And uh, they apologized to me because it wasn't as loud as they wanted it to be. And, and uh, I said, that's all right. I'll wear whatever you give me. So I got another one I'll wear in, in a week or so. Dad, uh, Dwayne, would you hit that light, the circle right there? Dad, stand up. Dad, stand up. Don't be shy. Come here, Caleb, Danielle. We got you a gift card to Lowe's. Because every dad can use a gift card to Lowe's, right? We appreciate dads. I didn't call my dad this morning. I normally do the first thing on, on Father's Day, so I've got to call him when, when I get home. How many of you have talked to your dads today? You've told them, Happy Father's Day. That means the rest of you got a lot of phone calls to make in the afternoon. Let's give dads a hand. Tell them you're glad that they're here. Yeah, that's the weakest, I think that's the weakest applause we've ever had. Let's try, do, do some whoops and some hollers and let's say dads are good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Uh, for Janie's 22nd birthday, you need another one? Who didn't get one? If you didn't get one? Oh, and, and some of you didn't get listening guides today. Raise your hands if you don't have a listening guide. Raise your hand, 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 raise your hand. Hold it up. Here comes Dwayne with one. He'll bring it to you. We've got a couple up here on the front, three on the front. Okay. Years ago, Janie's 22nd birthday. Janie and I had gotten back together in August of 1990. Uh, we'd known each other about six years at this point. And uh, for her birthday, her birthday's December 7th. So on, on December 7th, I was going to take her to San Antonio, Texas, to the Tower of the Americas. Have y'all ever seen that? It's got the little revolving restaurant on the top. Looks kind of big, doesn't it? Yeah? I'd been there many times. I'd taken my youth group down there. I'd been to San Antonio many times. I lived in Austin, Texas. It was 80 miles away. I'd been there many times. But on her 22nd birthday... I was going to give her a very special gift. A little box like this. She had no clue because I told her I was broke. Her best friend, her roommate said, uh, you think you're going to get a, an engagement ring? She goes, no, he's broke. He can't afford a ring. <laughs> so, uh, I, so I duped her and, and I was going to propose to her on, on her birthday that night. So we're going to the Tower of the Americas. And, and if you've ever been to San Antonio, you know that 35 and I-10 and all these different highways come together. And I was a little nervous about the evening. I had this big old box, you know, in my pocket, you know, trying to keep it covered up so she wouldn't have a clue. And I kept driving past my exit to go to the Tower of the Americas. And, and Janie knows that, you know, usually I'm pretty good at getting places. I'm a map person. You give me a map, I can get wherever I want to go. But I guess my heart was beating a little bit fast that night, and, and I kept going by. We, so we'd go by this way, and i go, there it is. We'd go up, and we'd turn around. I'd drive back, and go, there it is. And Janie's being all sweet, and she's trying to help me. She goes, um, maybe you should take this exit, you know, and maybe this one. Oh, man, I was just, I was not smooth at all. I'm just, like, getting flustered, and, and then I have to park somewhere and pay for parking. Eventually, we get there, and, uh, and, and she's all duped about this thing, and, and uh, at the end, I put this down next to her, and I put my arm around her, and she said she was thinking, 
It's probably earrings. It's probably earrings. Don't get all excited. It's probably earrings. But it wasn't earrings. I was proposing to her that night. And, and I tell you that because if you've ever been on the wrong road thinking that you're on the right road, it's incredibly frustrating because you never end up where you want to go if you're on the wrong road. Look at this, this uh, Google map of Dallas. There it is. All right, this is Dallas over here on this side, Fort Worth on that side. Now, we used to live in Arlington right here. We lived there for four years, and so I feel pretty comfortable in Dallas. I never lived in San Antonio, but I went there many times. When I was looking at this map, I, I counted at least 17 major highways, if you're in downtown Dallas, that will lead you out of the city. Now, let me just give you a, a, an idea. I don't know if you can read this. Mesquite's here, Garland, Richardson, Plano, Carrollton, Irving, Grand Prairie, Arlington, Fort Worth. You go down this way, it's Cedar Hill. Okay, so there's 17 major ways to get out of, Fort Worth, uh, out of Dallas. Now, what if I sincerely believe that I-30 West, this is I-30 West right here. What if I sincerely believe that I-30 West will take me to Tyler, Texas, which is over here. Will it get me there? How many ways are there to get to Plano from downtown Dallas? There's one. I mean, you can do all this other stuff if you want to, but, but you're going to get lost. So it doesn't matter. If I want to go to Houston and I hop on I-20, am I ever going to get to Houston? No, no I'm going to be way, way lost. Lots of people claim that there are many ways to God. And that makes as much sense to me if, uh, as if I were going to say all roads lead to Dallas. You ever gotten on the wrong road from Palestine going to Dallas? I, I don't know what happened, but when we would be returning vans and stuff, we'd have to rent vans from, from Buffalo years ago when I was in youth ministry. And several times, I'd bust out 19 South trying to get to Buffalo. Doesn't work, does it? Not unless you go the long way. Um, it doesn't matter what you believe. If you are not on the right road, you're never going to get there. Jesus built the only road that gets you to God. And He constructed it, and He's left us all kinds of road signs about how to get to God. And here's what He said in John 14, 6. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, Jesus said, I am the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. Jesus said, how many ways are there to God? How many roads did he mention? One road. And then he says, I'm it. Now you may have heard the verse before, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way means a path, means a road, means some way to get to God. Jesus said, I'm it. And of all the outrageous things that Jesus said, and he said a bunch of them, of all the outrageous things that he said, this one has caused more controversy over the last 2,000 years than any other statement that came out of the mouth of Jesus. You see, most folks believe that Jesus not only existed, but that he was the Son of God. Most folks believe that. If you, if you do a survey, even of Americans, most folks believe there's a God and that Jesus is his Son. Most folks believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Uh, most folks believe that he, he did all kinds of miracles. And most folks will believe almost all of the Bible except for this one statement. Because most folks believe that there's a God, and most folks believe the first four words of the Bible. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Four words. They believe in this God. But when it comes to this one statement by this God, 
People are like, whoa, intolerant. No way. No way. You think you're better than me? You think that your group is better than my group? You think this Christianity group is better than these other groups? No way. How dare you judge me? And many times people who don't know anything else about the Bible will start quoting Matthew chapter 7. Judge not lest you be judged. Well, read the rest of it. Because it says once you take the log out of your own eye, then you can judge. And Jesus said, I have come to be the judge. And Jesus, the founder of Christianity, says there is one way. So just because you don't like this one-way sign, I've been on, on Church Street and Mallard Street many times. They're one ways. And I kind of freak out when somebody's coming the other direction. Honking the horn, waving, you know, I'm going, dork! You know, I'm saying things because I'm like, whoa, turn around! And they just bust down through there. People all over the world are busting down the wrong way. And the Bible says that, that there's a problem. And they get mad at Christians who say there's only one way. But I'm saying don't, don't shoot the messenger. We're, just, we're merely repeating what the founder of Christianity said. And he said there are not many ways. There is one way to get to heaven. And, and what is that way? Highway 146. John 14.6 is Highway 146. But what about this Muslim? They're sincere. In fact, they're more sincere than a lot of people who call themselves Christian. What about Muslims? They're sincere. What about Mormons? Uh, what about uh, Jehovah's Witnesses? They're sincere. Well, it's possible to be sincerely wrong. If there's only one road that leads to God, and, and Jesus said that, there's one way, Highway 146, then where do all the other roads lead? To destruction. To hell is where they lead. Just because you sincerely believe something doesn't make it right. Watch this video about sincerely believing things. Our employee of the month, year. So here, here we, we go. are, an appliance sales and service with our employee of the month, year, decade, Alexis Bryant. Um, Alexis, I'm, I'm in the uh, market for a mattress, and I want the best mattress you got. Okay, I can, I can really, really enjoy this mattress. It sells itself. It does, you're right. It sells itself. I think this mattress is worth one George Washington. What would you say to that? I'd say give me the dollar. <laughs> and it's worth more, but I'll keep your dollar. <laughs> how, how, much, how much do you think this is worth? $14.99. <laughs> Holy mackerel. 1,500 smackers. Mm -hmm. I sincerely believe that this mattress is worth a dollar. Why do you believe that? Um, so no matter <laughs> what I believe, you're not, you're not going to sell me this for a buck. No. I believe it's worth more. Okay, let's see what else you got. So now we're going to look at some stoves, and you want a dual fuel stove. The price is a little steep. Wow. Yeah. $3,000, but dual fuel. Yes, dual fuel. There's not many people have these around Palestine, are there? No, you will be the exception. Ah, uh, okay, I'll, I'll take it. Wrap it up. Okay, let's go. Um, come on over this way to my desk. This stove is going to be more than a dollar. Okay. More than $20. No problem. No problem. Um, do you have a card? I got a card. We accept MasterCard, Visa, Discover, 
Not library card. Here we are at the bicycle shop, Dogwood Bicycles, with Diane Heckthorn. She's she's the owner operator of this bicycle shop. Diane, I got a problem with my bicycle. Well, it's uh, really riding kind of rough. Um, I get off my my rear is sore for like three days, so I'm thinking maybe it's the seat. Okay. Uh, Think you can take a look at it? Yeah. Bring it on. All right. What do you think? Well, I don't think it's the seats. What, you, uh, think, you think maybe you can tighten up this back wheel? That's got a few more miles on it. Yeah, it does. Um, it really hurts I when I'm riding. It takes me forever to get around the block. Um, I would suggest putting the wheel on the front. But... But I don't think that's the problem. I really believe it's the seat. You're the expert, and as an expert, you look at this bicycle, you don't think it's the seat. Yeah, I believe you need two wheels to go anywhere on a bicycle. Two wheels. There you have it. Sincerity is not enough. You can be sincerely wrong. Now, how many of you have Donald's phone number? Where's Donald? Oh, you got Donald's phone number. Well, let's say Keith's phone number. Keith's on the front row. How many of you have Keith's phone number? How many of you don't have Keith's phone number? Those of you who don't have Keith's phone number, is it possible to randomly dial some numbers? Hang on, I've got to get off the text message. Heather said, Happy Father's Day. Thank you, Heather. All right, here we go. I'm trying. You got your phone on you? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Thanks, you run my illustration. Now, if I randomly dial numbers, am I going to get to... Can you turn that one on? Can I get to Keith? Can you randomly dial numbers and get the President of the United States? Lowe's. Dogwood Bicycles. No, you've got to have the phone number. It doesn't make sense to think that you could just randomly dial it. And a lot of people think that they can just make stuff up. Jesus said there's one way. What is the number? Highway 146. And a lot of folks in the world don't understand, why do we even need this road? Well, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were created in this perfect environment. And God said there's one thing that you can't have. Everything else in the garden you can have. This one tree you can't eat from. So what, what do Adam and Eve do? Same thing you and I do. Here's the one thing they can't have. They camp out. And look at the one thing they can't have. And they stayed there until what? They gave in to the temptation. They ate it. And when they did, all kinds of stuff happened. We call this the fall. When Adam and Eve chose to sin, it was, it was disobedience. When they chose to sin, we call this the fall. Humans severed their relationship with God, with each other, with nature, and with themselves. None of those relationships would ever be the same again. And, and this fall, uh, the Bible talks about it and, and calls it uh, sin. We call it a miscalculation, an indiscretion, a temporary lapse of judgment. The Bible calls it sin. Isaiah 59.2 says, There is a problem. Your sins have cut you off from God. Because of your sin, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. Well, the consequence is that we've been cut off in our relationship from God. 
Now, if the relationship is broken, you got to do something to fix it. Well, I was thinking about this, and in, in uh, marriages, a lot of times folks will come to me for marriage counseling because there's a problem and they can't fix it themselves. Now, here's what, here's what the, the deal is. The problem is this chair. But what they've been doing in their marriages is driving all kinds of roads on the relationship highway around the problem. Here's the problem. Need to deal with this problem. But we don't deal with the problem. So what happens is then it just gets piled higher and higher. Because we don't want to deal with the problem. That would be too painful. And if I dealt with the problem, I might have to admit that I'm wrong, that I got the problem, that I am the problem. And I would rather do anything than admit that I got this problem. So I'll drive my relationship car all the way around and I'll avoid the real problem. Spiritually, we've done the same thing. The problem, according to Isaiah 59, is sin. It's this big elephant sitting in the room that we're ignoring. And we'll go around it. We'll avoid it. We'll do anything that we can so that we don't have to admit that I'm the problem. And uh, in relationships, if you want to get on the same road and you want your marriage to go where you want it to go, where God wants it to go, you've got to come identify the problem, deal with the problem, knock down the problem, then you can get on the same highway. Same thing in your relationship with God. And see, here's the deal. We run from God. According to Malachi, God says, I never change. So God doesn't move. We're the ones that do the moving. And because He's God, He doesn't come running after you. He waits on you to come back and say, the problem is sin. I chose to sin. And we're real good at blaming other folks. But God says, if you want to get to heaven, you want to get to me, you've got to deal with this roadblock. It's called sin. And you've got to humbly admit it. Now, just in case you or someone you know doesn't think they're on the wrong road, let's look at what the Bible has to say. Isaiah 64, 6. It says, We are all infected and impure with sin. When we proudly display our righteous deeds, we find we are but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall. And our sins, like the wind, sweep us away. According to these verses, um, how many of us are pure, impure and infected with sin? All. How many does that mean? All. Not only that, but we've all tried to make our lives look good. We've all tried to put on the mask and go to church and pretend that everything's good. How you doing? Great! Just had the knockdown drag out on the way to church. Everything's great! Great! And we've tried to be nice. And, and some folks will even say, well, I'm not as bad as, as Saddam Hussein. I'm not as bad as, as Osama bin Laden. How come we pick the worst people that we can ever think of to compare ourselves to? It's because we recognize that, that really... Nobody ever says, I'm not, as, I'm not that bad compared to Billy Graham. I'm not that bad compared to Mother Teresa. But see, none of them are, the, are even the comparison. The comparison is to Jesus. I've never heard anybody say, you know, next to Jesus, I'm looking pretty good. Because next to Jesus, the Bible says, even our best efforts are like filthy rags. Now, that's why God looked down and, and He did for us 
what we couldn't do for ourselves. He sent Jesus to clear this roadblock of sin. And, uh, you know, just the other day we had this big uh, gasoline spill over on Loop 256. Everybody, almost everybody was inconvenienced by that some way. Because there was a soccer camp and they sent all the kids home for soccer camp because the fumes were bad. There was summer school at Story Elementary. They had to relocate those folks. They had to evacuate the Y and even some homes were evacuated because of the hazardous material. So dudes with, you know, the hazmat suits came out there and they were working on stuff to clear it up so that we would be safe. Well, according to the Bible, Jesus has taken our junk, the hazardous material, on himself and he's cleared away the sin so that you and I can get to God. And he took all that bad stuff and he made the ultimate free way. And uh, somebody's going to say this, and I've heard it before. Somebody say, well, if Jesus took away my sin, then I can live like hell. No. Jesus took away the sin, but you've got to choose to get on Highway 146. When I'm running around San Antonio trying to get to the Tower of the Americas, I finally chose the right road, and got there. Praise God, I'm, I you know, got married, three beautiful kids. You know, None of that would have happened if I hadn't gotten to the Tower of the Americas that night. I had to choose to get on the right way. And, and it's not good enough to say that I know there is a road that leads to God. I've got to get on that road. A lot of people use excuses, and the truth is they will never get on Highway 146. And the Bible explains this to us in Proverbs 16.25. It says, sometimes what seems right is really a road to death. Now, I want to just explain to you real quickly three roads to death that folks get on. Three roads that, according to Jesus, lead to destruction. First one is Margaritaville. Some of y'all heard the song, hadn't you? Some of you sung the song. Some of you have had margaritas, and uh, you understand the song very well. Uh, It says, wasted away again in Margaritaville. Looking for my lost shaker of salt. Some people say there's a woman to blame. And the, and the first two choruses he says, but I know it's nobody's fault. At the end, he comes back, though, and he says, I know it's my fault. I'm the one to blame. I thought, okay, cool. Margaritaville. Well, what is Margaritaville? Party like there is no tomorrow. Get drunk, have sex, do all the pleasure drugs that you can. And drink some more whenever you're passing out and waking up. Get up, drink some more, have a good time. And we drive faster and faster on this highway called Margaritaville that goes around the real issue. Because really people that are, that are big into alcohol, drugs, and, and just sex with whoever they want to have sex with, the problem is they're running from something. They want to deaden the pain of a miserable, lonely existence, and they're trying to do it through pleasure. But there's going to be a point, and it seems right at the time. The Bible says it. There's a road that seems right. But then there's going to come a time when they wake up and they go, God, Margaritaville, I am in the same dead-end place that I've always been. I've ruined my life. There's no hope in Margaritaville. So what do they do? Change roads. They go to Stuffville. Stuffville. When pleasure doesn't fill the void in our souls, we think toys will make our lives worthwhile. And we get houses and cars and boats and four-wheelers and jet skis. And We've had a couple of four-wheelers at our house uh, recently. Is Ryan in here? I saw him all again. He's downstairs. We've had their four-wheelers at our house, and the temptation was just too great. 
I borrowed his trailer and the four-wheelers were on the trailer, but, you know, you can't have four-wheelers and not ride them. Oh, there's Mandy back there. You can't not ride them. And so we have had so much fun. And we even infected Wes. Wes has bought the house next door. And uh, we got stuck a couple of times. He got a cool mud puddle at the bottom of his... Yeah, we got buried. I mean, buried in, in... He did. I got out. I had to help him get out. He got his truck stuck. But he's, he's already now... He came over the other night. He keeps coming over, knocking on the door, saying, can, can Caleb come out and play? Because we've got a, the 90, um, and, and then we've got a 400. So he gets on the 400, Caleb gets on the 90, and you hear him jetting through the woods. Well, the other night he comes over and he goes, Hey, I think I've talked Jen into letting me buy a four-wheeler with one of those mowers on the back. Because they've got almost two acres of land now, you know? And it's, it, yeah, good idea. I'm like, dude, you have no idea how much these things cost. But stuff will make me happy. A four-wheeler would make me happy. A new car would make me happy. I'm just naming my stuff. I don't know what your stuff is. Um, Stuffville. But we find out before long that stuff gets old. And then we need more stuff. And that's expensive. And shoot. So what do we do there when, when Margaritaville doesn't, doesn't do it and, and we change roads to Stuffville and that doesn't do it? You know where people go next? Happens all the time. They go to Doubtville. The, here, and here's the thinking. If, if these roads that I've chosen are dead-end roads and I've done my best to be good and, and to live a decent life and I'm not hurting anybody, I doubt there really is a God. Now, this isn't logical thinking by any stretch, but this is what people do. I doubt there's a God or a road that leads to Him. So what people will do is they'll come up with these philosophical questions or these doubt-filled questions really to keep their distance from God and to throw other people's scent off that there really is a problem in their life. It's a huge problem that everybody else sees. They don't see. And, and because if they stay in doubtville, then they don't have to admit that they're lost. They don't have to admit that, that their own choices have led them to where they are. Um, they might have to admit they were on the wrong road. They chose the wrong road. They might have to do things God's way if they get out of Doubtville, and they don't want God messing around in their playhouse. This is my house, God, and you can't come in. And, you know, they might have to give up certain things. They might have to quit going certain places that they like going. They might have to give up a certain group of friends they hang out with. They might have to give up a certain stuff that they watch on TV and the things that they do. They might have to give it up. And they'd just rather stay in Doubtville. And, and most people would rather go to hell than, than admit they're on the wrong road. You see, the core of Christianity, this faith plus nothing, the core of Christianity is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the only religion I know of where Paul, one of the greatest preachers, he said, if Jesus has not died, been buried, and resurrected, he said, then your hope is in vain. He says, we're worthless. He said, we're worse than any unbeliever if this resurrection thing is not true. And the core idea of Christianity is rejected by Jehovah's Witnesses. It's rejected by Mormons, by Muslims. Flat out rejected their road to God. And so somebody's sincere, probably all of them are sincere, somebody's sincerely wrong and somebody's sincerely right. And, you know, the way I deal with things, when, when I don't know who's telling the truth, I try to do some research on the founder. 
Because we found that Jehovah's Witnesses, the founder of that religion, Charles Taze Russell, died being proven a false prophet. Um, Joseph Smith was a false prophet with 40-some-odd wives. Um, Muhammad in Islam, false prophet with 12 wives and several concubines. And if, if, you, if you can look at the founder and he lies and steals and cheats, and you've even got court documents, in the case of the Jehovah's Witnesses, the court documents are at their world headquarters in Brooklyn, New York, that prove that, that uh, Charles Taze Russell perjured himself. If you can look at the founder and he's a liar and, and, he, and he's a thief and, and, and he's, um, he's a crook and, and does all of this thing to deceive people, why would you want to believe him? But if you look at the founder of Christianity and everything he ever said was true, everything he ever prophesied happened. And then, on top of all that, he died, was laid in a tomb, and he comes back. Why would you want to doubt him? You may have some legitimate questions. Bring them on. We welcome them. But... Ask yourself, why am I really asking these questions? Is it to keep me in doubtville so that I don't have to admit that I'm wrong, so that God doesn't get to play in my playhouse and tell me what to do? Or is it a legitimate question that you have that's, that's keeping you from God? I'm willing to bet we can tear down a legitimate question. But smokescreen questions, we don't have a prayer of helping you with those. You've got to be honest with yourself. Many of these people are lying. There's one that's telling the truth. You make the choice. And, and here's my, my deal with this founder thing. As goes the founder of a belief system, so goes the belief system. Um, if you look at, I've got a book, I think it's back there, called uh, Index of Watchtower Errors. And it's got um, hundreds of errors in the Watchtower writings. Watchtower writing was supposedly God's organization here on the earth. But it contradicts itself. There are contradictions in the Mormon writings and in Islamic writings. There's contradictions there. Um, and and if, if you see those contradictions and God says, I never change, I, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, then one of those is not telling the truth. And you've got to use your mind to discover who that is. So if you look at the founder, you'll discover that the succeeding founders also lead people astray. There are prophecies that do not come true. And the Old Testament says if a prophet ever prophesies something that doesn't come true, he's a false prophet, do not believe him. But I say this too because this is Father's Day. And as goes the father, so goes the next several generations. And guys, we want to honor you today and tell you good job and we're here to help you. But your kids are following and you need to be leading them to Highway 146. And, and they'll know if you're just saying it and not living it, because they, they pay attention. Um, one quote I read this week, it said, Dads, don't, don't be worried that um, your kids don't always hear what you say. Be worried that they're always watching what you're doing. And so my question is, guys, where are you leading your families? Because as goes the Father, so goes the next several generations. Would you take your registration cards and fill those out? Next week we, um, we have our five-year celebration. We're going to have uh, 
a fun time here at church and then go to the lake. In July, we are doing a series called Summer Blockbusters where we'll have um, several movies and we'll take some themes. It's one of my favorite things to do and most folks, it's their favorite uh, series of the year. So we'll be doing that in July and we want you to come back and, and have a good time with that. On the back of your registration card, um, I want you to write 